If you're looking for an international school that provides quality American education at an affordable price for your child, well, Excel American Academy could be just what you're looking for. This school follows the American curriculum that's aligned with Aero guidelines and US Common Core standards. It also has a unique Pioneer Town program, an experiential learning program that gives students hands-on and real-world experience. Excel American Academy is not just for US citizens, it's for everyone. Visit xaa.edu.sg to find out more. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Growing Pains podcast brought to you by Honey Kids Asia. This podcast will delve into the deeper challenges of modern parenting and provide a safe space for parents to unravel and detangle the messy and sometimes scary world of modern parenting. My name is Ange. I'm an Aussie expat who has called Singapore home for the last nine years. I'm a mum to two boys, Xavier, who is 11, and Marcel, who is nine. In this episode of the Growing Pains podcast, we're talking to Sharina Shroff Mansharam, creator of Getting to Happy and Mum of Two. We want to know, is happiness really in our own hands or is it just another lofty, elusive life pursuit? Enjoy. Hello, Sharina. It's so lovely to have you on the podcast. We're thrilled to have you here today. Thanks, Angela. I'm so excited to be here. What would be great to kind of kick us off if you just tell us a little about you? Sure. I'm a mother of two. I have a 12-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old son. I've been a life coach for over 15 years. And I started my practice um, because I lacked confidence and I didn't know how to, and I wanted to be the best mother when I had children. And I wanted to learn tips for learning how to talk to my kids, to behave right. So I did a life coaching course um, 15 years ago in Hong Kong. And I've had my practice since then working with um, companies. I do maternity coaching for companies like Dyson. So really about helping women going on leave and then returning back to the workforce as working moms with all the mom guilt, all the missing my babies and all that combined. And it's very gratifying. And how about getting to happiness? Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Yes. So in the start of 2020, I realized with all my coaching clients and my corporate clients, they were like, you know, let's get on Zoom and have these sessions, talk about motivation, leadership, etc. And I said, can we just pause and teach people how to be happier? Because if we do that, they will automatically be better employees. They'll be better parents. They'll be better siblings. They'll be better kids, whatever they are. But you have to teach them these these foundational things that are really quite basic that we all actually know. And so I just put all those things that is already readily available on the internet, like how Mm. to live a happier life. But I am trained in the science of well-being as well. And I put it into 31 cards on a stand so that you can read an idea or an activity. It tells you how to increase your physical and mental well-being and the science of why it will work and a suggestion on how to do it on the reverse of the card. So it's not things that you've never heard of, but it's just taking the time to remind yourself that, okay, today I'm going to take a few deep breaths when I get overwhelmed, or I'm going to take some time for myself and do yoga class, or I'm going to remember that all these difficult moments will eventually end and this too shall pass. So these cards are just reminders and we have an adult set, we have a kid set, and we are coming out with new mom set in just a week or two. So I'm very excited about that. What's your definition of happiness? Um, To me, happiness is a journey 
not a destination. And happiness is really ups and downs. It's bad days mm-hmm. and good days. And people always ask, okay, Shuna, you're talking about happiness all day. You must be the happiest person. I'm like, no. They're like, you must have the <laughs> happiest kids. I'm like, nope. <laughs> but it's acceptance that days are going to be hard. It's um, realizing that you've got to put in the effort if you really want to live a happier life. Mm. Um, It's understanding that it's not certain people that are just luckier and who are just born happier. You've got to put the effort in to be happy. Um, It's not also hoping and wishing. So, you know, when you have your birthday cake and you're like, I just want to be happy and you blow out the candles. It's not going to be like that either. Mm. Um, It's really an acceptance of difficult times, difficult moments And seeing the silver lining and knowing that you have a box of tools that you can rely on when you fall. And I think that's the best thing. Happiness is knowing you have the things on the inside that you can rely on, you know, whether it's being grateful, whether it's going outside for fresh air, whether it's being able to be mindful, knowing that you have these tools so that when difficult times happen, and they will, Mm. that you can get back up. But the opposite, opposite of happy is that feeling of helplessness and I give up. I think, which I think that's the scary part that so many kids and parents feel. Mm. Do you think all parents can find happiness in parenting? Um, <laughs> parenting is hard, hard work. Yes. <laughs> it's really hard. So can you find happiness? Absolutely. Um, I think that when you're in the middle of when you have young kids, diapers, breastfeeding, mm. sleepless nights, it feels like you're in a typhoon that will never end. I remember you, you know, getting up and breastfeeding, which was the most challenging part of, uh, for me in the beginning as a mom, and just feeling so lonely. And you know, in the middle of the night, it's dark. You're sleep deprived, and you just want to go to bed. And you're feeding this thing that is, you know, sucking the life out of you. It's hard to remember that that moment will end. Nobody mm. breastfeeds for life. No. And that time will pass. So one of our cards is this too shall pass. And I love it because if we see that, we remind ourselves that eventually that typhoon will end. Sun does come out. And I tell my kids too, I'm like, I know it feels like the worst time right now. So that's when you have young kids and when you have older kids, it's, you know, they're having tantrums or mood swings or you're talking about don't use your device and restrictions Mm. and curfews and coming back home on time. So you have a different set of challenges as they grow, but also realizing that they're not going to use their phones every single minute for the rest of their lives talking to friends. No, they will come out of that. They will learn the other things that are important and priorities. So that will end too. Yeah. So I think that's a really great reminder that those difficult moments, yes, they're challenging. You know, I, I met a, I was talking to a new mom who just gave birth two weeks ago and she said, everyone said, it'll be fine. You'll be fine. It won't be that hard. I said, it is hard. That was a fib. <laughs> yeah. That's a super fib. I said, it is hard. It is challenging. Yeah. But accept it and know that it does end. Yeah, I think that was the advice I needed when I became a mum was that, you know, when you're in that difficult time of particularly sleep, sleep was my kind of the trickiest thing for me. Me too. And I just needed someone to say it will definitely end. Yeah. And no one would give me that. And I just needed that constant reminder that this is just a moment in time. Yeah. You will sleep again. I can't tell you when that will be. (laughs) 
but it'll come. But it will come. Yeah. And then you can start to find, as you say, like the happiness or the joy in that moment instead of wishing it was over. Exactly. And not waiting for like, exactly. When people mm. think that I will only be happy when I sleep again. Yes. You're going to be miserable. During the pandemic, all, so many of my coaches were, you know, saying things like, I'll only be happy when COVID ends. And I said, then you're going to be unhappy for a mm. while because you can't control that. You, yes. you can't control all these small things. You have to be present in the moment. And a great way to kind of see the silver lining when you're feeling so sleep deprived, exhausted, etc., overwhelmed, is to realize that you don't have to do anything. You get to do it. And this is a great thing that I learned over a podcast that I was listening to recently that, you know, you don't have to breastfeed your child. You get to breastfeed your child. There are moms who can't. Mm. Or you don't have to get up in the morning and go to work. You get to get up and go to work. If you didn't have that job, you might be more unhappy. So that one little word change is so powerful when you're feeling like, you know, I have to get up right now and go and I have to feed my baby or I have to go and pick them up from school. No, you get to. You get to be a mom. You get to pick up your kid and then everything can change. Yeah, I had a very similar conversation with Rachel Lim when she was on the podcast and she said exactly that. Oh, she did. And it was like a... It was like a mic drop moment for me where I was just like, oh, yeah. like it, it absolutely changes the whole perspective. It definitely is that moment where you realise, and I have a little bit of regret, I think, over when my boys were toddlers, that there were those really long days and you were like, oh my gosh, like it's only three o'clock. Yes. I can't feed them till at least five. Yes. And they can't you know, go to bed yet. <laughs> yes. And we're playing the same game every yeah. day and all that, you know, and there were times where you'd just be like, this is really hard. I just want to fast forward three months or six months. Absolutely. And it's lovely to dream about their first day when they're walking or they're going to school or their college or when they get married or when they move out, whatever you feel. (laughs) But, you know, dreaming of... Certain days. Yeah, certain days. But it, it is that just being as present as you can. And I think so many times when we're talking about, you know, parents feeling burnt out or overwhelmed or lonely, it's about also taking time for yourself Mm. Um, and also the quantity of time versus the quality of time with your kids. So when I talk to moms who are working, for example, Monday to Friday, they've gone to work, they've done night calls, and Saturday morning comes around and they're up again really early. They're at the zoo for four hours. Then they go to the movies and they go for lunch and they go to a birthday party. That's And they think that the quantity of time that they're spending with their kid is what is required and expected and what will make their children happy. But if you talk to kids and you Mm -hmm. give them 24 hours of time every single day, every hour of the day, they'll still turn around and say, I want more time with mommy and daddy. So make the time that you are spending with them, you know, quality time. So, you know, know, as a family, the four of us, my kids are a little bit older now, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we go for a Sunday walk and that's an hour, hour and a half. But that is dedicated time, no technology, just for us to chat. We don't normally get an hour and a half in a home without some, you know, the doorbell ringing, delivery, someone's hungry or something, someone needing something else. So you don't need hours and hours and you can avoid that, the guilt and the parental burnout and all of that by also deciding what and prioritizing time Mm. and and making it quality versus quantity of time. And also they start, you you always have that feeling that it needs to be an event like the zoo or what yes. and then 
I've suddenly realised now they're, they're really content with us just going and having a croissant at the bakery. Exactly. And then, you know, coming home and jumping in the pool for an hour and exactly. then watching a movie. Like that's exactly. they're probably their... And there may be some computer games. That's yeah, like sure. their perfect day. It, absolutely. <laughs> you know, on Thursday night I, had, I went out for a friend's birthday and I came back and I said, okay, I'll be back you know, by 8.30, and they didn't have school on Friday, so it was like a Friday night and Thursday night. And we played, and I have a 12 and a 9-year-old, and we played musical statues on the bed. We watched, I think, half an hour of some comedy funny show, um, and we played like hide-and-seek. I have a 12 and 9-year-old, and you think, oh, that's not the right activity for this age. And they went to bed, and we practiced gratitude, and they said this was the best night of the week. And it wasn't long. It was 8.30 to 9.45, and simple. And simple. So, yeah. you know, parents who are thinking about a new activity, a new restaurant to take your kids to, or a new trampoline park, your kids don't need that. They want your time. They want quality time with you. Mm. How can parents teach their children about happiness? Um, well, I think the first thing to remember as a parent is that you're the mirror to your children. Mm. So if we're talking about, you know, how to teach them those kind of values, I think we have to be an example for them. Um the, the biggest one I hear is parents telling me, Sharina, you've got to teach my kid gratitude. You know, I, they, they're not grateful for what I do for them and I send them to great schools and I work really hard and they're not grateful. And I say, well, how do you practice gratitude? How do you teach them? How do you demonstrate gratitude that you have them in your life or that you're grateful for your job or you're grateful that you get to drive them back and forth to school every day? Do you say the words to them? for them to also learn how to be grateful. So that's the mirror effect. And they say, no, not really. So that's one example. So, you know, when you talk about gratitude and you want your kids to develop that and inculcate that skill, which we'll talk about later, you've got mm-hmm. to do it as well as a parent. So share it with your children. Um, another one is, you know, we parents say, I want my kids to get off their devices and screen time limits. And it's a battle. It's a battle in my house too. But I put screen time limits on my device Mm. So I use social media for for work That's and a for very good point. Yes, <laughs> for social and for work. Mm. But and so my kids know that my screen time limit will pop up, and and I try my best. Not always, but I apply the same values and the same rules to my life so that they can mirror that as well. Mm. And 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 you know things like sleep as well. Like you talked about sleep being super important. So, you know, my husband and I, we, we sleep early when we're at home. We get up early. We practice exercising. The kids do that with us. So these are small things that you can't expect your kids to do. So parents will say, my kids are so unhealthy. They're sitting on the couch. And I say, what have you done today mm-hmm. that showed your kid that getting up and exercising, or stretching or breathing is important? They, they can't do it without you mirroring it as well. Mm. What do we do if our children are unhappy, like they're struggling or... What advice would you have? Are there any kind of tips you could share with the audience? Sure. So first, you have to ask yourself as a parent, what is unhappy to my kid? Um, I think kids nowadays and all the kids that I work with, they they love to throw around, I'm super depressed. Or, Mm. you know, one kid I talked to was like, I had a mental breakdown. I said, let's talk about it. What happened? She goes, I had a mental breakdown. I didn't do well in my exam. And I came back home and I had a mental breakdown. I said, you had a bad day. Mm. You didn't do well. It's normal. It's part of life. You're supposed to have a bad day. Um, it's not a mental breakdown. So let's define what's unhappy as well. So with your children, if it's they're young and they've always had this temperament since the time they were born, that's something else. If it's hormones and mood and teenage vibes, then you've got a different thing on your hands. So 
it's first to identify what that unhappiness is, depression, anxiety, you know, school, friends, we have to identify that. And one step behind that is, as parents, we can't always figure it out. And that's mm. okay. So if you're a parent going, I have no idea. Is it, have they always been like this? Is it school? My kid's not talking to me. That's okay. There are so many resources out there. And a good parent is one that is unashamed, doesn't feel a stigma of going out and getting help for their child. That's a huge one. Yes. Um, so identifying it, being open and accepting that there are resources out there. And the best parent is one that is willing to do that for their child. Um, and then identifying, where do I go? Does my kid need a friend, a teacher, a counselor, a therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist? Where do I go? Mm. So then you can identify the right help for your kid. You're listening to the Honey Kids podcast, Growing Pains. I'm your host, Ange Neo. One of the main purposes of education is to equip our children for the future. And this is something that Excel World Academy strongly believes in. This IB school has everything your child needs to succeed, from a world-class curriculum, highly experienced teachers, to a future-oriented approach to education. All these, coupled with a diverse and tight-knit school community, equips your child with the skills and exposure essential for the jobs of tomorrow. So check out Excel World Academy, the school of the future, at xwa.edu.sg today. Have there been struggles over the years with your own children and happiness? And how have you dealt with this as a parent and also as a professional life coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a challenge. So when mm. I had Lara, I was very young, my my eldest, so she's 12. And I was young. I didn't have a lot of friends who were pregnant. I was, and it, it can be lonely having a baby by, you know, and not having that support group around you. So I was in Hong Kong at that time. And I thought that I could solve everything for her. That was probably my biggest mistake and challenge. And when my son was born, she was very jealous and she had a really hard time. And I thought again, but I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you all my time. Why are you not okay? And um, this was early years. And so we did go to a child psychologist. And I always share that, that even though I'm a life coach, I couldn't help the person closest to me. And that's all right. Mm -hmm. I accept it. Um, it doesn't have any reflection on my skills. I work with so many people and children every day. But this one was really hard for me because it was too close. So Lara did see a child psychologist who didn't tell me how to change Lara, but change myself as a parent. There's no mm. guidebook for it. And instead of me wanting to, you know, change Lara and her, change her behavior, she's a very strong-willed, very determined little child. Um, it was about accepting her as she was, growing with her, and it was a wonderful learning journey. So, you know, it doesn't mean that you're a life coach or you're a happiness coach and you don't have bad days or don't have challenges. We all need to rely on resources outside of our home as well to get the best help for our kids. It's so true. And sometimes you just need a reset or yeah. someone who's a professional, as you say, to just give you some tools. Yeah. And it could just be almost validating that there isn't anything exceptionally broken or wrong exactly. or it's just something small. And then yes. you have that validation that, oh, everything is, you know. Exactly, Angela. And people don't want to get the help and people feel like there has to be something broken, which is the word yes. that you just used. And you don't have to get to a point where you're broken and it's it's not fixable. You can say, I love my child. And, you know, you know, as a parent, you can have these difficult times when you're like, I don't understand my child or I can't relate to my child. And all you have to say is, I accept you and I love you. And I'm going to get you the help that mm. we both need. Mm. I do think we're fortunate that we're parents in an age where there's less stigma about um, 
help about recognizing yeah. that your child has additional needs. Like totally. we're in a, a much better environment, I think, but there's still quite a bit of reticence sometimes, isn't there? Like shame attached to I'm struggling or my child's struggling. And, you know, that's something that I would love to see all of those kind of, you know, walls broken down for all parents because you know, there is that feeling of wanting to do your best. and yeah. But then what is your best defined by? Is it defined by your child not having any struggles or is it yeah. defined by the way in which you support them when they are struggling or That's when right. things aren't okay for whatever reason? That's exactly mm. right. I think the Asian mentality too, you know, in mm. the society that we're living in is, you know, as a parent, I know the answers and I can fix it. And actually, you're not helping your child. You're not empowering mm. them at all. And you know, when I and I realized that with with a very strong girl like my daughter, that she's like, I I know what I'm doing. I know I have your support, but you've got to let me fail and try. And I'm okay with that. And I said, Yeah, you're right. I'm okay with that too. Mm. You've said, and I I read this on your Instagram. Um, amazing things can happen when we have the ability to see the silver lining in any situation. Has there been a tough parenting moment where this has happened that you could share? Yeah, um, this was probably before I became a parent. So this is when um, I got married and was told I could never have children naturally. And, um, you know, I had family members saying things like, don't tell anyone that you you're, you know, you know can't get pregnant naturally. It's like, it's so shameful. Mm. I said, I, I, it's out of my control. I can't do anything about it. So I had to go down an IVF route and years of injections and hormones and hating your body. And, you know, it was really hard. And you're alone doing it. I have a loving, supportive husband. He's wonderful, but he's not going through it. It's, no, it's, it's you. happening to your <laughs> it's body. Happening to yeah, me. Yeah. And it was at that time when people were saying things like, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. And I said, I need to change the narrative. And I said, I am so lucky because I get to try. So that's when it, I mean, this is before I you know, before anything. I, and I was like, this is what I have to do to train myself that I'm so lucky. And it really made me so happy. Mm. I was so grateful that I could do it and do it and do it over again um, until I got that child in my arms. So it really is, you can play the victim. You can feel as sorry as you want for everything that happens to you every single day. Mm. Or you can say there is a silver lining, but it's up to you to find it. And if you practice gratitude, I think, which is, you know, the basis of this, everything is wonderful, even in the darkest moments. And for children, too. Again, it's knowing that happiness is ups and downs, but I can always see, I can always rely on that toolbox and I can stand back up. Mm. Let's talk about toxic positivity. What's the difference between that and being happy? So happiness, like I said in the beginning, is a journey of ups and downs. So you've got to accept that days are going to be challenging. Toxic positivity is blindly saying nothing bad will happen. Everything is fine. And this mm. is a great example, just which happened just a few weeks ago in our home. So um, my daughter is a horse rider and she, you know, she she jumps and she had competition on a weekend and she's been th- fallen off, being being thrown off the horse and falling on these jumps. And and she's really confident. She loves riding. It's her passion her whole life. And it's kind of wearing at her confidence. And she's been hurt on her body. So um, my husband said, you know, you, you have your competition this weekend. It'll be great. You'll be fine. Don't think about falling. And I said, that's not what she needs to hear. Mm. Happiness is being realistic. I said, you might fall. 
very, very high chances because he's throwing you off every time you ride him, mm. this new horse. Um, I said, but what's the worst thing that will happen? You will hurt yourself. I said, who will you look up to once you hurt yourself? We are right there. We will run to you. We will look after you. And we'll deal with whatever happens after that, after that. And that, in the future, is what we cannot control. We can't dwell on it too much. We want to be realistic. We don't want to... And, and you can't go into the past and change anything. And you can't go into the future and predict every scenario. It's just mm. out of your control. And COVID taught us that too, right? Yes. So <laughs> not just going into it blindly saying, everything will be fine. I don't do that. You realistically have to say, what's the worst case scenario? But at that worst case scenario, will I get back up? Of course you will. Yeah. It's so true, isn't it? Because we don't want to just pretend that everything's fine. No. Because that's when we really crumble, isn't it? Yes. And that, and, and that would make... That, and so I could see my daughter's face when my husband was saying, it'll be fine. And it was just increasing and increasing her worry and anxiety. So that's the opposite. Mm -hmm. So we have to be realistic, but and then not just dwell on the past or try to control yeah. as a parent the future. You can't. Yeah. We can be optimistic, but not yeah. in denial. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Another parent told me, change the horse, give her someone new. And I said, well, we can't control what an animal's going to do. Or, you know, like I said earlier, what, you know, I had a client during COVID who said, I'm not going to be happy till COVID is over and there's no more restrictions. And I said, there's got to be something right now that will still make you happy. But realistically, you cannot control restrictions, COVID, anything. Mm. Travel plans, you cannot control it. So you've got to find the the moments right now and be present and mindful. Being realistic, it helps us to set those expectations so we aren't disappointed. But also finding happiness within COVID was really hard, but then we did. We did. And now I don't know whether it's all the trauma, but we all look <laughs> back now and go, oh gosh, they were, remember that when we could yes. just, we did all those puzzles and we yes. cooked all that bread and we <laughs> did these amazing things. Yes. And, and, you know, you do start to go, oh gosh, that with once we accepted our fate, yeah. so to speak, or yes. accepted the situation, we were all a lot more, we were able to find the positive or the happy in yes. those moments. Yes. And it was, and, it, and a lot of times when I was we're talking, when I was talking to families, it was, the parents who dictated how happy the entire home, the children, mm. reacted in that home. So these little notebooks that my kids used to write their gratitude in. And I said, even though you say this out loud since the time you, you, you were little toddlers, I want you to write it during Circuit Breaker. And I cannot tell you how magical those notebooks are. It looks like we took our kids to the south of France or skiing in the Alps. <laughs> or, you know, they were, you know, we, we ate cheese on the balcony. And it reminded my son of, I don't know, a holiday. Mm -hmm. And he was so happy with that cheese. Or, you know, that they had their dad home every minute of the day. They were so happy. So as a parent, you can drive that happiness train. It is up to you. It's a lot of work. You know, it mm -hmm. need, you need to breathe through those difficult moments and find solutions and rely on the support system around you. But really, those wonderful moments can be driven by you as a parent and passed on to your kids. What's your go-to when it comes to gratitude? So I love gratitude. I talk about it all the time, but it is life-changing and magical and wonderful. So I started this when I, so after IVF, the whole journey, mm. then I had these had this, these children and I was so grateful. So I would start saying gratitude, my three things from the day when, as them, before they went to bed. So I would say things like, I'm so grateful that 
you had a play date before they could speak. I'm so grateful that you didn't poop all over the diaper today. I'm grateful <laughs> that you finished all your milk today. Mm. And then they started saying it. Mm. So they would say three things every day. And now when I talk to kids, it's just a side note, I'll go back to that. But kids say, I do the same thing every day. I go to school and I come back and I have my activities. I'm like, there is so much more in your day. But if you don't practice it every day and say it out loud, you can't can't just be grateful and mm. figure out how to see the silver lining. It comes, it's habitual. Mm. So my kids now will say, I had bolognese for lunch. It's a school lunch. It's all right. They love it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. The bolognese was great. Or that daddy came home for dinner on time. Or that, and one great example, you know, even through the toughest times is when I picked up my, uh, my daughter from school. And they're normally on the bus. It's just a random day that, that, that I did go. And I saw Lara sitting with a mask on waiting for me at the pickup area. And she got in the car, she pulled down her mask, and she was bawling, and she had blood in her mouth. And I said, oh, my God. I turned around and said, what happened? And she said a high schooler by accident elbowed her in the mouth, and it knocked her tooth out. There was blood oh, all over her my. mouth. And she cried, and I held her hand while I was driving. We came back home. And when she went to bed, she said, I'm so grateful that out of all the days, I never picked them up. That yeah. it was today. And I said, it wasn't about blood in my mouth. It wasn't about a rude high school. It wasn't about anything else but the gratitude that I was there to pick her up. So even in the worst times, and that's a pretty bad day for a kid yeah. with blood in your mouth, it was still a great day. So gratitude, ask your kids, encourage them before sleeping to find three things from the day. And as a parent, you have to learn to share your gratitude back. It doesn't have to be about them. You are your own person as a parent. So you can say things like, I'm grateful that I had a great ladies' lunch with my friends and I missed my friends. I'm grateful that I got promoted. I'm grateful for my job. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that I didn't make it back for dinner because I had something important at work and that meant a lot to me today. So as a parent, be proud of your own accomplishments, what matters to you. And you're showing your children that then they can be empowered by their own gratitude and what makes them happy. Mm -hmm. So you share your three things. Ask your kids to share their three things. If they're older and they're starting this practice, they can write it down in a journal. We don't want to make it overcomplicated and have them write. And, you know, sometimes we stop ourselves and from And sometimes things. they hate writing. Exactly. That's homework, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> My kid would say, no way. But encourage them to share it. And it improves sleep quality, lowers anxiety, depression, problem-solving skills are better. So there's so many benefits mm. to practicing gratitude. How about mindfulness? Because I know it's kind of similar to gratitude in some ways, but a different technique, a different yeah. practice. How can we practice and prioritize mindfulness, it, you know, perhaps as for our kids, like help them and also for ourselves? So with the Getting to Happy Method too, one of the things when we talk about mindfulness was not to say that mindfulness has to be an entire lifestyle. It's mm. very hard when someone, it's very overwhelming when someone says, let's live more mindfully. I'm like, what does that mean? And it what sounds did, great. It sounds great. <laughs> but it sounds like, uh, do I have to be in yoga clothes? Do yes. I have to be an expert at meditation? No. It's, so for me, I think that the way in which I incorporated mindfulness, and I was the worst at being mindful. I would drive, be on a call, and eat lunch at the same time. And I thought I was a superwoman, <laughs> multitasking, doing everything, and I was probably doing everything really badly. Mm. So um, mindfulness to me was just picking moments in the day that I could be more mindful and present. Not for hours and hours, but just for an activity. So meditation. Is, you know, your form of mindfulness and just breathing, being in the moment. I practice it and I make my kids do it every evening on the school nights. They go through so much. If it's hard for you, it, it's very, very hard for children. Mm. And you're just going to say, just sit, 
There's no other rules. Just sit and breathe. Um, sometimes we have tantrums around it. Sometimes it's fine. Sometimes they come out and say, I really needed that. Mm. So, you know, don't don't make it so complicated as a parent. But again, you're the mirror for them. You've got to sit and do it with them. You can't be on your phone while they're trying to tell them to close their eyes and breathe. So do it together as a family. Um, we used to do it very consistently. Now we do it a couple of times a week, but it's still our go-to just to breathe and relax. Um, the other one is... So one of the cards in our in our set of cards is called Cup of Joy, is to take your first drink of the day, whether it's a cup of coffee or your lemon hot water or your cup of tea, whatever it is, make it, make that cup of tea or coffee, whatever that drink is, do it as mindfully as you can. So without your phone, without distractions, without talking to anyone else in the kitchen. So what it does is, so when I make that cup of coffee, I hear the beans being ground, I smell the aroma, and I'm just grateful for that cup of coffee. And it might sound really cliche or like, Sharina, really, are you really grateful in that moment? But being present and not just gulping it down and doing it mindlessly, I'm doing it with intention and it just feels great. That's one thing I do in the morning. And it's uh, it's not even a minute. It takes not mm. that long to even make that cup of coffee and just have a few sips and just be in the moment. And the last one is to have the best shower of your life. So I tell my kids that too. I said, do you know how wonderful it is to have unlimited hot water? Not everybody has that. So mindfully take your shower. Enjoy the hot water. Enjoy the soap. Enjoy the sponge. Enjoy your towel. And again, kids have the fastest shower ever. But <laughs> you're encouraging them to practice mindfulness in that moment. I try to do that when I'm in the shower at the end of the day. Kind of a reminder that whatever's happened has happened in the day. I can't change anything. And just be present. That's it. So as you start to practice that with certain activities, um, it does have a kind of ripple effect into other parts of your life and your day. Mm. And they're so simple and small things, but the intention is what can make the difference, right? Yeah. Exactly. Final question for you. And there's no, I don't want you to feel like you have to say 10. But (laughs) (laughs) on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your happiness? really cliche I'm gonna say 10 (laughs) because there are always challenges but I am so happy and so grateful Mm. for what I have and that's enough to me I I don't want to give less of a number to the universe because I'm very grateful for where I am yeah Sharina it's been so wonderful speaking to you today we really appreciate it and I love all of the very simple tips and techniques and just being more present and the gratitude and Not that I have to, but I get to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Sharina, for our chat today. I am now joined by our podcast producer, Suf, to chat a little about today's episode. Hey, Suf. Hi. So what have you learned from our chat on the pursuit of happiness? Mm, I've learned that happiness... It's not just a state of mind or a lofty, elusive life pursuit. Mm. I mean, you have to put in the effort to attain and maintain happiness. And I think that's just something that everyone should remember. Mm. Yeah. And how about you today? On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your own happiness? Today? Right now? Yeah. Right now, I would say that I'm a solid 8.5. Maybe after I get some food, it'll be about a nine. Very specific. So if yes. I like it. What about you, Ange? How would you rate your happiness today? I 
think I'm a solid seven. I'm going on holidays tomorrow, so that will Ooh. definitely go up by tomorrow. But today I'm just thinking about all the things I need to pack and making sure I don't forget it. Right, pre-vacation jitters. <laughs> yeah. And then do you have a tip for remaining happy or getting to happy yourself, mm. Sylph? I think uh, just have a laugh. Laugh with others, laugh with yourself, laugh at yourself. We do a lot of laughing. Yes, we do in the honeycombers. There are yep. plenty of benefits when it comes to laughing and uh, it's such a mirthful activity. Plus, it's free. Yes, you're right. I, um, yeah, I think... And there's also nothing, honestly, like the laugh of a child. So, yeah. like, when my kids giggle, it's infectious. Yes. Um, but it's also just the sweetest sound, I think. Well, thanks, Sof. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Growing Pains. Thank you to you all for listening and we will see you next time.